0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 a.m. News Talk and RadioNL.com.
1: Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Monday. It is November 25th and as always, thanks so much for joining me. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. On today's show, I will be joined by Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. We will be chatting about the province not appealing a decision to limit the number of experts in ICBC injury cases. Kyla and I talked about this a few weeks ago after the BC court ruling that it would not set limits on the number of experts and reports that are allowed to be used. She had told me that limiting reports from experts it's not only made it more difficult to tell a whole story when in court, but it also slored, slowed the co- court process down. So I'm sure she and many other defense lawyers are happy to see this not being appealed. And I'll be speaking with her here in a few short minutes on both that, as well as some related issues like online renewals and the legislation to ban governments from raiding ICBC coffers. So stay tuned for all of that. In the back half of today's show, there's going to be a bit of a sports theme. I'll be kicking things off by taking a quick look back at the Grey Cup. Yes, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have won the CFL Championship for the first time in 29 years. They have put the win back in Winnipeg. The Blue Bombers, 2019 Grey Cup champions.
2: It is my honor and privilege to present... The 2019 Great Cup presented by Shaw to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Great Cup champions.
1: Yes, yeah, so I will be joined by a reporter out of Winnipeg, Stephanie Lasuk, who is tracking today's celebrations and will help provide a glimpse into what the city has been doing over the last, oh, you know, 12 hours or so as they've been celebrating, like I said, that first CFL championship in about. 30 years. And to end off the show today, I'll be joined by Radio NL sports guide John Keane Yes, the voice of your Camloops Blazers will join me to talk about a disappointing weekend in Prince George.
3: Drop the face-off. Puck will come down the ice, back in the Cougar territory. Blazer's gonna get the goaltender out. Piller cutting in, drop pass to Pelt. Pelt on it, now just five on five. Piller shooting, loose puck. A Pelt can't find it, at the line on Yabuchi, will, he'll keep it alive. Stewart is shot, that missed the net. Comes to Sean Strange, left point, toward the goal. That shot is blocked, on Yabuchi, right point. To the middle of the goal, loose puck. Blazer's battle here, still loose in the slot, and knocked away, and that'll do it, the Cougars both this weekend where they were outplayed badly and outchanced badly but goaltending perhaps a bit of a story and this one 51 shots
1: tonight 5-3 your final score plays out exactly as last night's game Yes, the Cougars scored wins both Friday and Saturday nights, winning 4-3 and 5-3 respectively. The Blazers had over 90 shots over the course of those two contests, uh, but it wasn't enough as they were uh, unable to get away with any points on the weekend road trip. The Blazers do still sit in first place in the BC Division, but now have just a two-point cushion on Kelowna and a four-point lead on Vancouver. So the division is getting tighter. Plus, uh, the Rockets also made a trade on the weekend, picking up 20-year-old center Jaden Joseph from the Moose Jaw Warriors in exchange for forward Kyle Crosby. The overage forward, and former Blazer Kobe Moyer, uh, goaltender James Porter, and the Rockets third-round pick in 2022. So after a few weeks of talking about Kelowna, potentially uh, you're looking to make some moves to, to bolster their lineup, they have finally done so as they look ahead to hosting the upcoming Memorial Cup. And to uh, take a quick look back at my weekend here, well, it wasn't the most exciting for me. My Leafs, you know, stayed perfect since the firing of Mike Babcock with a win over the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. The Vancouver Canucks had a huge win as well with a 2-1 victory over Washington on Saturday afternoon. The the Caps are, of course, one of the better teams in the league this year, so that was a big win for them. And I also decided myself to go and check out that new uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Yes, Tom Hanks, America's dad, played the role of Fred Rogers, uh, the lovable children's show host. And I have to say, yeah, he's a bit of a perfect fit. I'll also say this, that uh, the movie doesn't make you feel like a, a bad person, but it definitely doesn't make you feel like a good one. Uh, Mr. Rogers is essentially the nicest person uh, to ever exist, uh, and it's next to impossible to live up to the standards that he set. Uh, he hosted that show from 1968 until two. Yeah, uh, 43 years. Uh, I took a small break in there for uh, about three years uh, uh, as well. But yeah, 40 plus years of teaching kids valuable life lessons certainly taught me a thing or two uh, in my younger days. And I'm sure I could still learn more from him today uh, if you were still around. But of course, those old episodes still provide some insight. Uh, Yeah. So if you want to feel inspired about becoming a better human being, I would recommend checking it out. Uh, It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. So let's uh, take that positive attitude and winning smile into the break here. And uh, when we come back, I will be joining Joined by Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Monday, November the 25th. B.C. Attorney General David Eby says his government will not appeal a B.C. Supreme Court decision that quashed the province's ability to restrict expert reports in ICBC settlement cases. Instead, the province will be introducing legislation in the spring to impose limits on those expert reports in crash cases. By pursuing these amendments in the spring, uh, Eby says that the hope is to find some financial savings for litigation, including ICBC. Um, The hope is to reduce costs for claimants so that they can keep more of their settlements and keep it from expensive adversarial reports here to respond now is acumen laws kyla lee kyla thanks so much for uh, coming on here in your usual monday morning slot
4: thank you for having me again
1: so uh, i guess just initial reaction here i mean are you happy to see that this won't be appealed by the province i guess just look at it from that kind of isolated point of view uh you know uh, that bc supreme court ruling uh decided not to appeal it initially i guess were you happy to see that step being taken
4: Initially, yes, I was happy to see that there wasn't going to be an appeal until I saw the reason why there wasn't going to be an appeal, and then I was kind of happy sad.
1: Yeah, so um, new legislation that EB is planning to introduce. Um, Maybe tell me a little bit about how you interpret this, because I'm a little bit confused on how this legislation is really a whole lot different than what the Supreme Court just ruled against.
4: So the difference lies in what is being amended. The first time um, the government amended the Supreme Court rules that govern how court processes take place, and and it limits a lot of judicial discretion. On this uh, occasion, what they're amending is the Evidence Act. Um, which is an act that governs how evidence is admitted and received into court. Um, so it's less binding than a Supreme Court rule, and there will still be limited judicial discretion to, uh, to not apply the rule. Um, but it's something that the government has complete control over, whereas the court rules um, are something the government can't unilaterally control without input from the court and other, uh, other interest groups.
1: Okay, so based on that response, I guess, how, how are you feeling about that uh, from a defense lawyer's point of view? I mean, is this better or, or worse than what was being proposed initially?
4: In summary, this is worse. And part of the reason why is that it sets a very dangerous precedent. As soon as you use the Evidence Act, not just to govern how evidence is admitted into court and and what can be evidence, but also how much evidence you're allowed to bring in your trial, um, you start to create a very dangerous situation where this can be used in other types of cases. So right now it's only going to be applying to personal injury litigation, but it opens the door for for other individuals um, to to, uh, use this legislation to limit the introduction of evidence in other contexts, including in criminal trials, um, in other types of civil trials, in family trials. This can have broad application, um, but could ultimately be very detrimental to
5: the justice system.
1: So how long would it take, do you think, from from the point of view of if, if this legislation were to pass and, and um, you know, th- this were to be the case when it comes to these uh, ICBC crash cases, how long do you think it would take to start to trickle into other areas of the law? Is that something that would happen, you know, fairly quickly after, you know, a couple of uh, precedent-setting uh, cases, or, or how does this work?
4: It's likely something that would happen very quickly after a couple of precedent-setting cases. I mean, we know that uh, even putting the challenges into the Evidence Act, we know there are going to be um, constitutional challenges to that, and, and we will see people trying to argue that that too is unconstitutional. If those challenges fail, then I expect the government will expand the application of this. And the reason why is, is simple. It saves money on the cost of courts, because you limit the amount of evidence you can bring in your case, you save court time, you save all... All of the costs associated with running a courtroom, a judge's salary, a sheriff's salary, court clerk's salary, you save all of that. Um, and those savings are good for the government's bottom line, even though they're bad for the
5: justice system as a whole.
1: Okay, so you you had talked about this uh, with me a couple of weeks ago, when uh, it was first announced that uh, the BC Supreme Court had ruled um, against um, you know the, the limiting of experts, and you had said at that time that that would actually sort of speed up or, or potentially help speed up the court process, just because uh, you know you're not limiting the information that can be presented, you're not trying to go about uh, you know some roundabout way, I guess, of presenting some of this expert information or testimony that you would otherwise have. Uh, but now you're saying that uh, you know this new legislation, I guess, is is also going to ha- try to um, speed up that court process to uh, you know I guess increase the, the bottom line for ICBC um, you know is this is this going to have that impact is it going to speed up the court process or or is that just maybe something that it would appear to do on the surface
4: It's not initially going to speed up the court process, because initially you're going to see everybody who's affected by this rule bringing a constitutional challenge, which delays everything. All sorts of cases get put on hold, while one challenge goes forward, or a couple challenges go forward and get decided. Um, And then there's inevitable appeals of those challenges. The matter gets, you know, possibly all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada, uh, which can take, you know, five years. Is not an unreasonable amount of time for that. Um, And in the meantime, all of these cases are are sort of in this limbo period so everything gets dragged along and the people the litigants who are involved in the cases are the ones that suffered the government doesn't suffer while the case is being you know being held in abeyance in court um icbc doesn't suffer it's only the people who are injured in these motor vehicle collisions who are not getting compensation for their injuries and being able to put their lives back together that are the ones that are suffering And ultimately, what that's going to lead to is people accepting settlement offers that are not worth uh, the value of the claim and that don't adequately compensate them for the injuries that they've suffered.
1: Okay. uh, How do you respond then here to to the specific quote from David D B? He says uh, that that we hope to reduce costs for claimants so they can keep more of their settlement and keep it from expensive adversarial reports. But uh, from what you just said there in your last response, uh, that doesn't sound like it'll necessarily be the case
4: that's not the case that that quote unfortunately is very is very misleading because it makes it sound as though people who hire an expert get get the cost of those experts taken out of uh of, of their claim amount and then uh and then don't get as much money as they're entitled to but that's not that's that's I think glossing over the process in a, in a much more significant way. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, what's going to happen in this case is that ICBC is going to keep more money because there's going to be less evidence before them uh, to see how badly somebody's injured or the nature of the financial impact of the injuries if you if you can put less evidence before the court to say you know my foot injury affects me this way my head injury affects me this way my back injury affects me this way and here's an expert to talk about my financial prospects in my career um, as a result of all of these injuries you're more likely to get a fair settlement than if you have to pick and choose what evidence you're entitled to bring um, you're you're less likely to actually put an accurate record before the court that gets you a fair compensation for your claim.
1: Here with Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. So I guess from that perspective, uh, one of the goals uh, that EB is, has, has uh, you know, put forward here with uh, with the result of all of this is to, uh, you know, increase the bottom line for ICBC, have them make some, some profit. Um, you know, right now they're there's losing like billions of dollars from ICBC. Um, and, and one of the things that uh, EB is also wanting to do is make it so the government can't, uh, you know, raid those um, profits that ICBC is getting or, or lack thereof in this case at this point in time. Um, these. Do you foresee this maybe as being sort of a face-saving move from EB in the sense that uh, you know he's saying the government won't be taking those profits even if, uh, uh, like you had mentioned, it might be on, on the backs of, of claimants that are, are, are losing as a result of this?
4: I don't think this is face-saving at all. I think this is David Eby following through on sort of the subtle threat that he's been making this entire time—that if people don't go along with the changes that he's proposing, then things are just going to get worse. He'll find a worse way to do it, and he's been—I mean—he's been suggesting that with challenges to the injury cap. Uh, that have been put in place He says, you know if 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 you don't accept this if you don't like it and if this is struck down in court then we're gonna move to no fault and that's gonna be even worse for you uh, defense lawyers and claimants so you know uh, you can have bad or you can have worse and I see this as as just another example of going from bad to
1: worse so do you see this though I guess as a way for for the pocketbook of uh, ICBC to be improved do you see this as a moneymaker if these changes were to go through for ICBC?
4: Oh, absolutely. Anytime you take money out of the pockets of people who have been injured in accidents, who've been paying their insurance dutifully and and following through on all of the the conditions of their insurance, as soon as you take the money that they're entitled to away from them, the only person that gets to keep that is ICBC. Um, And so, yeah, it is going to save ICBC money. But the cost at which it comes socially, uh, in my view, is too high uh, to justify what is being done here.
1: Yeah, but he, I guess he'll will use that as a selling feature, right? To say, uh, you know, that uh, the, the government won't be taking a profit from ICBC, and and sort of that'll look good, I guess, from from a government point of view. If the if the utility or the, uh, the insurance company does make money, that it won't be, uh, you know, being raided by by the province. So, um, are you are you seeing that? I mean, like you said, it's not a necessarily a face saving move for David Eby, but I guess he's still trying to spin it in a positive way in that regard.
4: Well, I mean, putting legislation in place that prevents uh, future governments from raiding the coffers of ICBC is a very smart move politically. Um, It it is the type of move that binds the hands of future government. Even though, um, you know, the next government, if if the NDP isn't reelected or whenever, you know, we change from NDP to to whoever comes next, um, even if they want to repeal that legislation, they never will. Because they, you know, we see now the impacts of the financial dumpster fire at ICBC. And if you repeal that legislation, you're signaling an intention to bring it back to uh, that bad position. It would never go over politically. So I see this as just a, a real uh, strategic political move for the NDP, and not something that's necessarily designed to uh, make anything better.
1: Uh, and uh, speaking of of political moves, if you will, uh, you know there is uh, talk about potentially soon getting people to be able to renew their ICBC or their insurance policies. Online, EB is reluctant to set a specific date for when that will happen, but there's some thought and and there has been some talk about it happening by 2021, which of course is when the next uh, BC election is all set for. I'm not so sure that is a coincidence, but I guess, Kyle, uh, <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts there on the fact that uh, you know online renewals may be coming soon? Um, it's uh, definitely probably a more difficult um, way for for pe- for clients to go about finding what is the right insurance for them. It's much easier, in my opinion, to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about. But um, you know, online renew coming by 2021 uh i guess just what what are your thoughts on on that date being set by uh, david eby here
4: well, I'm a, I'm a millennial, so I love the idea of online renewals because any time I don't have to leave my house and I can you know, do it uh, from the comfort of, of my home uh, on the Internet, it's much better for me. Um, but I, I see this uh, as, as probably something that insurance brokers are really not happy about um, because you have uh, insurance brokers who've paid big bucks uh, to get those auto plan licenses. They're very valuable. They've, some of them have sold for over a million dollars and now their investment is going to be significantly diminished because people are going to be transitioning by and large to renewing online.
1: Well, uh, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition here in 2021, if that date is actually held true to. I'm, I'm not convinced it is. it will be yet at this point, but uh, we'll see. Like I said, election cycle is coming and that's when things tend to get done. So thanks so much for coming on Kyla. Always appreciate you coming on uh, every week and we'll uh, look ahead to doing the next one.
4: Okay, thanks for having me.
1: Alright, that was Acumen Laws. Kyla Lee. Coming up after the break, I'm going to be talking about that 107th Grey Cup title that was won yesterday by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What's going on in Winnipeg today? Well, we'll get a sneak peek into what's going on in the city after this.
0: The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 a.m. News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas.
1: Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea show. It is Monday and I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I know the people of Winnipeg had a pretty great weekend and here to help provide a little glimpse into how Manitoba's capital is partying today. uh, One win, or sorry, one day after winning the 107th gray cup. I'm joined now by city news sports reporter in Winnipeg, Stephanie, Lesouk. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining me.
5: Of course, Jeff. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
5: Well, better today. Better today after that game yesterday, yeah, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, so how are how are people? How is the city of Winnipeg doing today? Is it still uh, a rock in there in the city? Oh, 100%. That's all anyone's thinking about. That's all anyone's talking about. You know, you talk about great
5: football cities, and a lot of people talk about Saskatchewan, how they love their riders. But you know what? Winnipeg loves their bombers, and everyone here has actually been, you know, kind of out of their mind since yesterday no one can really believe it so i don't think it's quite set in yet but we're definitely celebrating still and we will be all week i can see us
1: yeah Thursday. for sure i mean the blue bombers i mean a bit of an underdog story going into the playoffs i mean they were on the road in calgary and then on the road in saskatchewan and they were able to to pull out all three wins needed to come away with the cfl title um i guess just what was the reaction that you were seeing last night like where where were you last night and sort of what what was the the situation like around you
5: So I wasn't actually at Portage in Maine, but I'm sure you've seen the videos from the main intersection here in Winnipeg. Um, It's not actually a pedestrian-friendly intersection right now. So all the fans ran out, shut down traffic in downtown Winnipeg for a good couple hours there while the city celebrated. And, you know, the atmosphere, just from watching the videos and talking to people who were there, it was just celebratory. Everyone, it's it's been so long, right, 29 years. That's not actually in my lifetime. I've never seen the Bombers win, and I'm from Manitoba, so... Um, It was a a once-in-a-lifetime thing for me, so for some people who've been waiting a lot longer than me, it, it was just amazing to see them finally get that.
1: Oh yeah, and there's definitely some people who are have been waiting, like you said, a long time to see this, and they finally came to fruition last night. And a lot of people, a lot of Bombers fans, seeing it for the first time. Uh, was there was there anything in particular last night that you saw, whether you know, whether it be in person or on social media or ever, um, you know, that that sort of stuck out in your mind? I'm just trying to think of some, you know, uh, when we see uh, championship celebrations, you know, uh, we often see people climbing light posts in the cities. Or I remember like the Raptor celebration in the summer. There was that plant guy who was walking around with that giant plant all. <laughs> (laughs) all day downtown was there anything in particular (laughs) you know for you that that stuck out as a big post-game moment
5: you know what this is kind of the storyline a lot of bomber fans were following going into the game with a, a local citizen here chris matthews he hasn't worn pants in 18 years because 18 years ago in 2001 he told his buddies look i'm not wearing pants." pants until the bombers win the great cup Um, he never thought it would last this long so he's been wearing shorts ever since then through these tough winnipeg winters where it gets to minus 50 he hasn't worn pants except for i think in the exception of funerals or very serious events like that where he needs to wear a suit but other than that it's always been short so he put on a pair of pants yesterday um at the game he was actually there and it was a huge one actually for winnipeg because it kind of just symbolized this long drought that is finally over
1: yeah, and especially when you, like you say, a, a city like Winnipeg where it does get as cold as it does to not wear pants for almost 30 years, that's uh, that's some dedication right there. I, I guess, what, what what have you heard um, in, in terms of reaction from that? I mean, I was watching the video of him putting those pants on, and it was one of the most <laughs> awkward things I've ever seen. It looked like he pretty much forgot how to put pants on. Uh, yeah, like, what, what are you hearing just sort of, I guess, from an inspirational point of view? Are people pretty uh, right behind this, this Mr. Matthews and, and really rooting for him? And do you think he's going to be wearing pants again uh, for, for a You know, often here and now moving forward, or is this a one time thing?
5: Well, you know what? We spoke to him actually before the Grey Cup game, and he said he's gotten so used to wearing shorts that he probably would continue to do so most of the time. (laughs) He says it's comfortable for him, he likes them, so I think pants, like as you said, pulling them on was awkward. They become so foreign to him that he's probably going to go back to wearing shorts most of the time, but at least he has the freedom to wear pants on those minus 50 days, or when he really needs to now, so (laughs) that's one gift that the Bombers have also given that they didn't really expect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely going to be looking forward to some warmer days if he does choose to wear pants. Um, One more Mm -hmm. question here for you, Stephanie, before I let you go. You're set to go to the airport here later this afternoon to, to, to meet the team and, and, and welcome them back home. Um, I guess, is there anybody that you're looking forward to speaking to in particular right now, or just sort of what are you looking forward to about watching this team uh, fly into the tarmac and, and greet the people of Winnipeg when they come home?
5: Well, you know what, the thing people often forget about this Winnipeg team, it is not, it's not not—it's not a team full of exports. We have a lot of hometown guys on this team, right? Obviously, Andrew Harris is the biggest story here. Um, you know, most outstanding player, most outstanding Canadian. The first time it's ever happened last night. We also have Nick Dembski and Brady Oliveira. So they'll be coming off the plane, and it'll just be actually a very hometown celebration for these guys. It's, uh, it's nice because a lot of people know them. They know their families, right? It's, it's a tight-knit community, even though it's a big city. So for that, the fans will be definitely looking forward to it.
1: Right on, Stephanie. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the celebration while it lasts, and, and uh, enjoy talking to some players here later this afternoon. I'm sure it's going to be a good time. Thanks so much, Jeff. Take care. Right on. That was uh, Winnipeg uh, City News sports reporter Stephanie Lesouk talking about uh, what's uh, going on there in the city of Winnipeg following last night's big Grey Cup victory. I know uh, one guy here who was watching the big game was uh, producer Kurt Appleby. He joins me in studio now. Kurt, how you doing? Yeah, Jeff, I'm all right. How about you? Ah, not too bad here on a Monday morning. Uh, yeah, a pretty pretty solid weekend, and not uh, very exciting. But of course, it was capped off by a big Grey Cup uh, watching party. Uh, it was just me at home with a bunch of food, so I still got the food part. But uh, that was me too. I, I think I missed the best part. I didn't. I didn't catch uh,
2: Keith Urban in the intermission because it was perfect for me to go pick up Chinese food. So I'm. I'm hoping that uh, surfaces on the internet here sometime today.
1: Yeah, I've seen uh, snippets. I haven't yeah. seen the full performance, but I'm sure it'll be coming out here uh, in the next little bit. I'm surprised because you're a country guy too. I thought you would stick around to see that.
2: Yeah, it was just poor planning on my part, actually. <laughs> Oh,
1: well, that's now all, you know that's for next all, That's time. all I got, yeah. Well, wow, you also were spending all day watching tennis, too. I know that was a big deal for you. As it, well. it
2: was a big deal, and I don't know how much time we have here, Jeff, but uh, for Canada really cemented its place uh, on the global stage. Uh, as far as tennis goes, obviously we've seen the young talent in um, Dennis Shapovalov and uh, Felix oje seem and they had uh, Vernon's right down the road and Vernon Vashik hospital who was the story for Canada all last week so I'm very excited uh, in, in the future to see because they'll be back there and, and
1: they're going to give it a good run again here yeah Pospisil's been around for a while but those were some of the bigger wins of his career so far and uh yeah, definitely a name you don't necessarily think of when you're talking Canadian tennis. I mean, you, you think of it, but it's lower on the list. But he had a hit a yeah. big weekend or a big couple of weeks here. I guess.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, who's lower on the list too now is Milos Raonic, who who really doesn't factor at all into Canada's plans. I couldn't imagine because he does. Uh, he, he he's got the big serve, but uh, Daniel Nestor uh, bumped him from doubles in the in the last few years in in favor of Ashik Pospisil. So I I don't know if if I had to choose, I, he'd be off the
1: team, but. Well, I mean, he's got the big hits, but uh, he's got the the bad back, right? So that's part of the yeah. problem when it comes to Milos. But anyway, let's go back to the Grey Cup because that's basically why I brought you in. So on breaking news, sorry, Alex oh. Kerfoot uh, gets two games here for uh, his hit on Eric Johnson's side. Yeah, that night. was that was a bad hit. Uh, I saw it when it happened. I, I knew it wasn't good. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, no one was really hurt in yeah. that one. So. Um, all right. What were we talking about? Great cup. So uh, yeah. So on <laughs> so Friday, hijacked. yeah, on Friday, I brought you in here so we could do a little prop bets just in preparation of the big game. Um, and so I thought we'd just kind of go over what happened here yeah. uh, and take a quick look at at our at our picks and how things went. So um, who will win the coin toss? Kurt had uh, Winnipeg and Winnipeg. They won the coin toss, as I remember it to be. Yeah. It was tails, I believe, as well. So you called that one. Um, how long will the anthem be? Any idea how long the anthem was? No, I, I forgot the stopwatch here. So the over-under was set at 70 and a half seconds, yeah. and you picked under, or sorry, you picked over. Yeah. Excuse me, you picked over. I got the under, and it went for 67 seconds. Nah. So just shy of that 70-second marker. Yeah. Uh, so you're up 2-1 to one here at this point. I guess uh, who, who will score first? You win this one as well, picking the Winnipeg... Tour. Blue Bombers. Yeah. I was going to say the Winnipeg Cats, but that's not a really <laughs> that's, a team. No, they don't exist. Uh, first penalty went to Hamilton, so I got a point there. Mm, um, I wasn't feeling confident about that one after I picked it. <laughs> uh, where are we at? So, And then this was where it kind of got interesting. So how many songs will Keith Urban play at halftime? The over-under was set at five and a half. You picked the under and he played five. Songs. So we just went under on that one. Ah. Uh, Nicole Kidman was not shown on camera as I thought she would. I'm thinking she didn't even make the trip to Calgary. I don't think she made (laughs) it. But Carrie Carrie Underwood making a cameo, from what I understand. And, uh, well, I mean, she's married to uh, Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher, who's from Winnipeg. So there you go. Uh, Who will win the game? I had the Blue Bombers, so I think that's the most important part. So I think it should be worth three points, but it's not. It's only worth one. (laughs) And uh, what color will the Gatorade shower be? This is the most interesting. Yeah, so this, um, no one ended up actually. Getting this right, but what happened was so I have my sheet here that I'm looking at from Friday. You picked orange, (laughs) and then last second, you're like, you know what? Let's go yellow instead. It's Hamilton, and uh, it was it was yellow or it was orange yeah so. i threw my food at the tv when i saw that actually i was rattled <laughs> and i picked blue so i got it wrong as well but you ended up winning the bet here six to three we didn't really have anything on the line but i'm thinking that maybe in the future we can do this again and put uh, put a wager on it i don't know maybe some
2: money to charity or, or you could something. just pony up and, and buy some beers next time for me because well I yeah we win. could do that That'd and be
1: the honorable thing to do no well yeah but we didn't establish that ahead of time so <laughs> i'm off the hook on this one <laughs> Now nah, maybe next time. Ah, maybe I'll buy him. Maybe, maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, thanks, Kurt. Appreciate yeah, you coming no, thanks, in. Jeff, uh, was it was fun. definitely a fun game yesterday. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. You too, man. Right on. All right. Well, coming up after the break, we'll take a shift here from football over to hockey, and I'll be talking with Blazers play-by-play announcer John Keen. So stick around.
0: Local news now, Radio NL, six ten a.m. and RadioNL.com.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Today is Monday, November 25th. And of course, thanks so much for tuning in. After trouncing the Seattle Thunderbirds at home this past Wednesday, the Blazers were unable to get it done on the road this past weekend as they lost a pair of games in Prince George to help break it all down. I'm joined now by the voice of your Kamloops Blazers play-by-play announcer, John Keane. John, thanks so much for coming back on.
3: Hey, good morning, Jeff.
1: So, Let me just get your initial reaction to the team losing its first game in Prince George, and I believe it was 11 tries, right? What did they have, 10 or 11 wins in a row in PG, and and that all came to an end here on Friday night.
3: Yeah, you know, usually uh, these Monday reports, uh, we're talking about uh, more positive things here for sure, but uh, you're right, it was an 11-game winning streak up north in Prince George, and, you know, that was a little bit deceiving, Uh, you know, there's been some games there where they pulled them out late, they wanted to shoot out overtime a couple of times in that stretch, but found a way to keep that streak going, but, uh, you know, it it wasn't for a lack of effort, that's for sure, Friday night, uh, you know, they... Outshot, no chance. The Cougars, I think one of the uh, Blazer coaches said that they had scoring chances 24-7 to in their favor uh, in that Friday game, but uh, lo and behold, uh, they couldn't get a save and, and really couldn't get out of their own way at times and uh, somehow uh, lost that game 4-3. It was tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, just looking at Friday specifically, I mean, this was, seems to be sort of the, the, the theme of the weekend as a whole, but just to look at Friday and isolate that, I mean, it looked like a bit of a tough game for a rookie goalie there, Race Ramage. I mean, uh, a rough first period for him, uh, letting in uh, three goals on uh, not very many shots. I don't have the totals in front of me, but I mean, the Cougars had 18 total shots throughout the course of the game compared to the Blazers, 44. Uh, so I guess for those of us who, who didn't see the game, I mean, looking at that stat alone makes it sound like the Blazers really dominated and just ran into some hot goals goaltending and uh, maybe a bit of a a rough start there for Blazers goaltending itself but I mean uh, looking at Saturday as well 51 shots for the Blazers compared to 20 shots against I mean did Taylor Goche just stand on his head to steal four points here
3: you know, I, w- I would say he played uh, well. He played good. Uh, did he stand on his head? Did he have to? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I think some of those the shot totals are a little deceiving. There wasn't, even though the shot totals were right, and then that's 95 shots over two games. Uh, you know, really, what I saw was not a you know a lot of perimeter shots as well. Here some some easy saves here for him that he was able to gobble up. But yeah, you know, if you talk to the Blazer goaltenders this weekend, they had an off weekend. You mentioned Race Ramsey and. You know, it was three goals on nine shots before he was uh, pulled after the first period. Uh, and Dylan Garand came in uh, the, the rest of the way and, and uh, really didn't face a quality opportunity. But the one opportunity he did face that was quality in the third period was his first shot on goal uh, nine minutes into the period or ten minutes into the period, and uh, and it got by him. So uh, that was the trend. I mean, if you've seen the movie Groundhog Day, that's, a, that's what it felt like to, to sit through one of those games Friday and think, okay, well... You know that was an anomaly. Uh, that probably can't happen again, as far as chances and shots on goal. And then to have the exact game story play out Saturday night—it was odd. It, it's a little, little discouraging actually to, you know, to know that a team can outplay a team so bad on back-to-back nights and uh, just not find a way to pick up a point. Uh, and that was uh, pretty disappointing.
1: Now, given sort of the level of play, I don't really know if this is actually a story, but I'm just curious to kind of get your thoughts on this. I mean, I was at the game there on Wednesday night uh, here at home, and it wasn't much of a hockey game. I mean, it was one nothing after the first against Seattle, and then after that, it was just all Blazers to, uh, to ro- roll away with a 10-1 to win. I mean, that doesn't really uh, help you prepare for a weekend against a tougher opponent uh, when you are you know running away with games like that. Um, I'm not sure that there was any sort of momentum shift, I guess, as a result of maybe being a little uh, too easy going come Friday night, you know, having a bit of an easier game on Wednesday and then going into a tougher matchup on the weekend. Did, did that have any impact, do you think, on this series as a whole or, or do you think that, uh, you know, the, the team was just ready to go and it just uh, didn't work out for them in Prince George here?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think there was any questions of work ethic or, or anything to do like that or determination. I mean, I think you put up, you know, you put up 95 shots in two games and, uh, you know, you outchance chance to your opponents. I think the Blazers felt they gave up 18 scoring chances all weekend and gave up nine goals, <laughs> which was, you know, that was a, a bit tough going. And, you know, and it's always you're going to look at, you know, um, the result right and the result wasn't good but you know i think you look at the process and i think they'll be happy with the process and not the result and yeah it was sure nice to put up 10 um you know but you were at that game so you saw that some of those goals were a little odd including the montana on ibuchi goal from his own goal line his own corner so you know i don't think there was any sort of resting on laurels at all it's just it's hockey it's 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 the old uh, adage uh, it's why you play the game right and uh, as much as it, uh, as much as the Cougars, though, you know, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. They're a better team than their record shown. You know, really four wins going into this into the weekend, uh, but but a much better team that's healthy uh, that has a good goaltender. And when you have a good goaltender in the WHL, Jeff, you can you can win games. You can steal games. It's just unfortunate how you know, the timing was this weekend against the Blazers for sure.
1: Yeah, goaltender is the most important position. It's the one that can really have the biggest impact on any given game, given the fact that they are in net for uh, generally the full 60 minutes. And if they're hot, yeah. then uh, you know they can they can make all the difference, and if they're cold, that can make all the difference as well. Um, I did want to ask kind of how you think the Blazers, how are they feeling right now coming out of that? I mean, you know, they had a, a I don't want to say a real big cushion atop the, the BC division, but, you know, they had a, a few extra games there to be able to play with, and and that, uh, that point total is now gone. I mean, they're two points up on Kelowna and four points up on Vancouver. Uh, you know, that BC division is really starting to get a lot tighter up at the top, and then you look at, uh, you know, Kelowna picking up 20-year-old forward uh, Jaden Joseph from Moose Jaw here over the course of the weekend, so they're trying to bolster their lineup a little bit. I mean, do you think there's a a feeling of tightness, I guess, when it comes to just where they are in the standings right now, with the the Blazers looking to hold on to that top spot?
3: Yeah, you know, but, but really, this is going to come down right To the final weekend and I don't think there's any debate about that all all year it'd be nice to have a a bit of a cushion and and you're right that cushion was six points uh now it's two and uh you know it'd be nice to have a little bit of leeway or breathing room in the second half but just that's just not the way it's designed to be it's just really not going to be that way if one team gets too far ahead uh there's going to be desperation from the other teams and you know this game is going to come down to the final two weekends in my opinion the Blazers have A home-and-home stretch late with Kelowna. Uh, Then they have uh, a lot of games to Vancouver in the second half. In the final weekend of the season, you're going to see Kelowna and Vancouver play a home-and-home while the Blazers play Prince George twice. So it it really is design, call it human nature, whatever it is. And if you think, you know, there's going to be a team that jumps out 8, 10, 12 points ahead, that's just not going to be that way, I don't think here, just the way it sets up. So yeah, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a battle. And, yeah, Kelowna was is due to upgrade, and they're not done. I mean, they, they're hosting the Memorial Cup, and, and uh, they are starting to use some of their assets. I mean, they acquired a player with seven goals that cost them a 20-year-old forward, two players, uh, a goaltender and a, and a forward, and a third-round draft pick, uh, you know, to upgrade that. So, you know, I, I think they have more to come, and, and we're going to see an upgrade on their blue line as well. Vancouver still thinks they're in their two-year window, so they'll upgrade as well, what the Blazers will do. I'm not sure uh, what their plan is. They've already made two moves to add 20-year-olds, but it's going to be these three teams, and, and it's probably going to be Victoria kind of knocking on the door as well, Jeff. So, you know, if, if, if as nice as it would be to say, like, ah, let's clinch a playoff spot or clinch first place, you know, mid, mid-March or, or, or early March, it's just not going to play that way, I don't think.
1: Well, we can still hope, even though it uh, probably won't be the case. And it is more exciting when it does come down to the wire like that. So uh, definitely uh, some entertaining uh, games here. And, and, uh, yeah, we have some more coming up here in the next little while. Edmonton in town here on Wednesday, I believe. And then a couple of games against Portland on Friday and Saturday. So uh, definitely shaping up for uh, what should be a good week ahead for the Blazers.
3: Yeah, Saturday, by the way, Teddy Bear Toss game, that's always a big one. You know, the Teddy Bear Toss, Jeff, started in Kamloops in 1993, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, The fact that the very first one was held here, now it's done around the world. Uh, And then, of course, you know, Wednesday's game against Edmonton, that's the final game of that road trip. Uh, Blazers, by the way, big shout-out to the Booster Club. Uh, They'll be down there for Christmas dinner with the Booster Club uh, here tonight. So a lot's going on here with the hockey club here, so they'll try to keep it going into the week.
1: Right on, John. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll listen to you here on uh, Wednesday. Great.
3: Okay, Jeff. Sounds good.
1: Thanks a lot. All right. That was uh, Blazers play-by-play announcer, John Keane. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests one more time for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.